The Lifestylist, episode 200, featuring Dr. Bruce Lipton. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast is brought to you by my friends over at Juve. So for the past year or so, I've been doing something called photobiomodulation. That's a super geeky term for using red light therapy. And Juve make a device that is hanging right here next to me in my podcast studio that I use just about every damn day. In fact, most days I use it twice a day. So why would you want to use red light therapy? Well, just like a whole food can be broken down into different vitamins and minerals, sunlight can also be broken down into different colors. And just like the nutrients in whole food, each color and sunlight has its own effect on our bodies. So once absorbed into your body, light energy is converted into cellular energy, which kicks off a series of metabolic events like the formation of new capillaries, elevated production of collagen, and the release of ATP. And red light therapy has even been approved by the FDA, and its effectiveness has been studied throughout the world. So here's why I use the Juve red light therapy device on the reg. Repairs sun damage, which I get a lot of, reduces wrinkles, which I'm getting a few of, enhances muscle recovery and peak performance. When I work out, I have that issue. Heals acne and other blemishes, fades scars and stretch marks, speeds wound healing, reduces joint inflammation, and my favorite benefit of the Juve, increases testosterone production. So if you're interested in checking out some of those benefits for yourself, you can go over to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash Luke. Here's the catch. If you use the code Luke at checkout, you will receive a special free gift. So go to juve.com forward slash Luke, use the code Luke and get hooked up with some Juve red light therapy. Yo, I am super pumped to share with you beekeepersnaturals.com. Now, if you heard episode 175 with founder and CEO Carly Stein, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are the highest quality bee products in the world from Beekeepers Naturals. Now, I've been using bee products for a long time. Back in the 90s, I was rocking like the bee pollen and and, you know, using kind of gourmet honey over the years and things like that. But until that interview, honestly, I had no idea of the superpowers and the variety of different bee products. So not only do these guys make the cleanest, most organic, most potent bee products, they also have the widest variety of products. So whether it's propolis, which helps with the immune system, um, soothing scratchy throats, it's really potent stuff, or the bee pollen, which is a superfood with vitamins and nutrients and gives you energy. It has amino acids and protein, whether it's the raw honey, the royal jelly. Uh, they even have a tonic for your brain. I mean, they have a lot of great products over there. So if you're not hip to the power of bee products as a superfood, I want to highly recommend that you get over to beekeepersnaturals.com. And honestly, if you want to just learn all about bees in the industry, 
and how it's done and how it's done right for ecology and for the environment, definitely go back and listen to episode 175. It's a, it's a great episode and the founder Carly is just brilliant and she's running a really great operation over there. So I'm very happy to support them on the show. And uh, like all the stuff I always talk about, I use them every day. In fact, I use it too much because I run out of it. Like when I interviewed her, I was like, so I do like a couple tablespoons of the bee powered, which is the really potent one that combines all of the superfoods in the hive into one product. She's like, dude, the dose for that is half a teaspoon once a day. You're tripping. But, you know, I'm hardcore Uh, because it just tastes delicious and it gives you like instant energy. So definitely get over to beekeepersnaturals.com. When you're there, if you enter the code LIFESTYLIST, that's one word, LIFESTYLIST, you'll save 15% off your order. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST. What's poppin'? What's crackin'? What's going on, folks? I'm Luke Story. Today's guest is Bruce Lipton, PhD. Bruce is a stem cell biologist. He's also the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, and The Honeymoon Effect. His pioneering research on cloned human stem cells laid the foundation for today's revolutionary new field of epigenetics and later groundbreaking research at Stanford revealed the nature of the biochemical pathways by which the mind, that is our perception and beliefs, control behavior and genetic activity. He's a true pioneer in bridging spirituality and science, and that's why he's a perfect guest for the Lifestylist podcast, because as you know, if you've been listening for a while... That's the point of this whole thing is how do we take science and spirituality and really merge that into the ultimate lifestyle for health, healing, and transformation. Speaking of transformation, oh man, before we jump into this show with Bruce, I've got to invite you to visit us next Tuesday for Heal Thyself. Don't let your trauma become your drama with Mast and Kip. That's number 201. So make sure you subscribe to the show. Um, If you're someone who (laughs) has struggled in your life with emotional issues, addictions, uh, things that are likely related to trauma, you definitely want to hear the conversation with Mast and Kip next week. Um, Just when I thought, you know, they couldn't get any better, today's show with Bruce is amazing, but the Mast and Kip one, oh my God, that one personally was very transformative for me. So subscribe to the show so you don't miss it. I've also got an upcoming event April 11th at Soho House's Little Beach House Malibu. You might still be able to get a spot for that if you go to lukestory.com forward slash events. In this interview or conversation with Bruce, I also want to warn you that we had some um, incoherency between the two of us due to Wi-Fi, Ethernet, tech stuff. And um, so hopefully my my great editors over at Podcast Masters were able to um, put the missing pieces together and make it sound seamless. But I just want to warn you, if it gets a little weird at a point, it seems like we're not listening to each other. Uh, that's probably why, because neither one of us knew when the other one couldn't hear. It's just, it's behind the scenes podcasting stuff you probably don't need to know about, but I'm such a stickler for quality audio and just, you know, general cohesiveness of a conversation that I wanted to forewarn you for that. But here's what we talk about. How Dr. Lipton ended up working on stem cells way back in 67, when most people didn't even know what they were, and then why we have stem cells and what their potential are how our thoughts and beliefs affect the chemical makeup of our body, in turn affecting our cellular health. And then why the most valid, tested, and verified science on the planet is quantum physics. 
how to change or get rid of the subconscious programs that you collected in your formative years. And that's the same programming that dictates 95% of your current life. Why effort can't overcome belief. What we can learn from the story of Jesus, even if we're not Christian. How collectively recovering our creative power will allow us to change the world's current chaos into a garden of even. The biology of belief and why what happened to your ancestors or in your past doesn't have to dictate your future. And then we cover the exciting news that there is no gene that causes cancer. However, beliefs are easily passed from parent to child. And then finally, perhaps my favorite part of the conversation, Bruce teaches us how to overcome the fear of, and maybe even the effect of, cell towers, EMFs, and other environmental threats, or at least our perception of them. So as you can see, this is going to be a fascinating conversation and one that I'm so excited to deliver to you. I've had Bruce Lipton on my list of target dream guests for a long time, and I'm so happy that this finally happened. So without further delay or further ado, my friends, let's welcome to the show, Bruce Lipton. Bruce, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Luke. I'm very, very pleased to be here. Uh, and I think we have some wonderful, empowering information to talk about today. So that is exciting to me. I do too. Well, I think that's what I like about your work uh, specifically. I mean, it's so vast, but there's something that I'm a huge fan of, and that is that we are not victims of our environment and victims of circumstance, that we actually have some license and influence on our level of satisfaction and health as human beings. And that is super exciting to me. Well, it's great because we've been programmed to be victims throughout our whole life. You know, I mean, when it comes to your health, uh, even as a child, you were programmed, well, if it's a health issue, you don't deal with it. You, you have to go to a doctor and they deal with it. So you give up uh, control of your life in this program. And that's just one of the many times we lose power when we're programmed to not be powerful. And that's unfortunate. Well, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the show is um, turning people on to new ideas about their... Uh, spiritual lives, about their physical lives, and helping people to be able to actually, um, I don't know, I don't like using the word control, because to me, control sort of has a negative connotation. I'm, I'm trying to find a good substitute for that currently. But, you know, that that we we do, in fact, have the power within ourselves to be healthy and to be happy. And, and you're right, we're led through so much coercion from the time we're born to the fact, uh, to the opposite, you know, so uh, it's exciting stuff. We're in, a, we're in a really great time now, and I'm so grateful to be able to share information like this with people because I get feedback all the time um, regarding the guests that we have on saying, oh my God, I had no idea about this, and now I'm sort of handling this myself, and I'm going to the doctor less or going to the shrink less because I'm fixing it myself, which is really exciting. So something I want to touch on, uh, Bruce, is the fact that back in 1967, you were working with stem cells, and I find that uh, to be very fascinating considering that, you know, that was such a pioneering move. Back in 67, I, I was uh, working on stem cells. What was real interesting back then is that there were only a handful of people in the entire world back then that even knew what a stem cell was. So I was in a unique place and a unique opportunity to work with something that biology is, you know, it's the front of biology today, all the stem cell research. Well, pioneer just because the numbers of people back there were real small. And I had an opportunity to see things ahead of the general population of even researchers because of the unique material uh, of what stem cells are. Maybe I should give a short stem cell definition. Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay, let's do. Let's, let's do that. For number one is this, when we look in the mirror and see ourselves as a single body, 
that is an illusion because the body is actually made out of 50 trillion cells. The cells are the living entity. The body is, by definition, it's a community. So you're looking at a community of cells. Uh, and, and the relevance about this 50 trillion cell community is that every day, we lose hundreds of billions of cells die. Routine, every day. Red blood cells are dying, uh, being replaced, of course. Skin, all right, let's talk about it because we're talking about the stem cells and, and the fact, why do we have stem cells, which are embryonic cells? As a matter of fact, you know, if I did a biopsy uh, on a baby just before it's born, said, oh, look, here's an embryonic cell. And then right after the baby is born, do the exact same biopsy, look at the exact same cell and go, oh, no, that's called a stem cell. So I just want people to know stem cell is just another word for embryonic cell. And why do we have them? Because we lose hundreds of billions of cells every day. And to stay alive, <laughs> you have to replace them. So here's a simple point for people if they're no concerned about stem cells. If you're still here listening to me, you still got stem cells because if you didn't have stem cells, uh, you would die out pretty fast after losing that many billion cells a day. So um, stem cells are these embryonic cells. The point about it, what did I learn? Uh, uh, and it was so amazing because it was a complete contradiction to what I was teaching, and especially like the medical students about the nature of genes controlling life. So that's the standard uh, um, belief of the public right now. It's been that way. Uh, genes control the character of my life. Genes turn on and off on their own. I didn't pick the genes as far as I know, and I don't like the characters. I can't change the genes. And the genes are doing their own self-activation. That takes me out of the picture in a sense. Geez, I'm a victim of my genes controlling the character of my life. So I'm a victim, Okay. So I'm teaching what is, and it's called genetic determinism. That means genes determine the character. Uh, and at the same time, I'm working with the stem cells, the embryonic cells. So very quickly, um, I was cloning them. And what that means is simply this, is I take one stem cell, put it in a Petri dish all by itself. It divides every 10 or 12 hours. So first there's one cell, then there's two, then there's four, then there's eight, doubling and doubling. A week later, 30,000 cells in the Petri dish. Most important point, they all came from one parent. So that means I have 30,000 genetically identical cells in the Petri dish. I split those genetically identical cells into three different dishes. So all the dishes have genetically identical cells. And I feed the uh, cells culture medium. That's the environment in which they live. And you say, what is culture medium? Definition is simple. It's equivalent of blood. So if I take human cells and put them in a plastic dish, I look at human blood composition and then make a synthetic version called culture medium, and the cells grow. That's the environment they live in anyway. But because I synthesize the culture medium, it also gives me an opportunity to change some of the combination of the chemicals. So I make three different versions of culture medium, slightly different chemistry. So I have A, B, and C. Well, they represent environments. I've the cells live in the culture medium. So in environment A, culture medium A, my stem cells form muscle. In the second dish, where they're living in environment B, culture medium B, the stem cells form bone. And in the third dish, with uh, environment C, different culture medium, uh, genetically identical cells become fat cells. Well, now you're left with the most profound question is, what controls the fate of the cells? <laughs> and the answer is this. Well, first of all, they all were genetically identical. So it wasn't like one set were muscle cells or anything. They were all the same. The only thing that was different was the environment. The chemistry of the culture medium controls the genetics and behavior. 
Now you go, okay, that's real interesting, Lipton, about your laboratory stuff. What does that have to do with me? And here comes the exciting connection to you as people, and it's simply this. As I said, when you look at yourself, you're, you're not a single entity. You're a community of 50 trillion cells, okay? And I say, why is it relevant? You're a skin-covered Petri dish, and you have the original culture medium, blood. And I say, does it make a difference if the cell is in a skin dish or a plastic dish? I go, nope. It's still controlled by the environment, which in both cases is the equivalent of blood or actual blood. So then all of a sudden, so I say, what does it mean to me as a human? And I say this, the genes do not control my behavior and my genetic activity. It was the environment, the culture medium, the blood was controlling my behavior, my genetic activity, and my emotions, okay? So I go, oh, okay, so here's the two steps that will then all of a sudden go, aha, I hope. <laughs> uh, step one is this. The blood composition is the culture medium for my cells controlling genetics and behavior. And then I say, well, if the chemical composition is what's important, then what in my body controls the chemical composition of my blood? And I go, the nervous system. Okay. But now comes the next and bigger question. So what chemicals should the nervous system put into the blood, which in turn control biology? And I go, it's a relationship to the picture in your mind. Your brain translates a picture into chemistry. Okay. And the chemistry is a complement to whatever the picture is. So different mind thoughts, different visions in your head are releasing different concentrations of chemicals that complement the picture. So a simple understanding is this. We're sitting here right now. If we close our eyes and then open them up and see someone we love, I go, what's the picture? Oh, a picture of love. I go, oh, guess what? When love is the picture in the mind, the brain releases wonderful chemicals such as dopamine, pleasure, oxytocin, bonding to that source of pleasure, vasopressin makes you more attractive, uh, growth hormone, which is does what it says. I say, why is it relevant? I say, think about it this way. A picture of love in your mind is translated into chemistries, which I just mentioned. And when I add those chemicals to a Petri dish of cells, guess what? They grow beautifully. They grow exuberantly well. This is why when people fall in love, they glow. They're so healthy. I'm in love. I go, it's not a coincidence your biology is so healthy because the chemistry you're feeding them in the blood is of health. But I say, wait, same person opens their eyes and sees something that scares them. I go, oh, different chemistry. The chemistry of fear, oh, that's stress hormones. Uh, stress hormones, uh, uh, chemicals that uh, in, interfere with the immune system, uh, all, different chemicals. I say, what's the point? I say, the chemistry in fear uh, radically changes the biology of the body to deal with fear. Uh, and all of a sudden I say, so what am I saying? I say, well, the character of your body, the cells, is related to the chemistry of the blood, which is related to the brain. And then ultimately get to the top of the pile and say, and it all is complementary to your thoughts. Positive thoughts will bring you health and negative thoughts can cause you to die. I find this to be extremely encouraging and fascinating. And that particular thread that we're kind of going into now, where ultimately from a you know purely scientific point of view, your thoughts are controlling um, not only your biology, but how you feel based on the chemicals that are released during that stress or that you know pleasurable or love response. And 
Um, it reminds me of the work of uh, Dr. Emoto. Are you familiar with that? The hidden messages in water and all that. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people try to debunk his theories. And for those listening, uh, it had to do with putting intentions or music or words or writing on uh, on water in a laboratory, and then sort of flash freezing the water crystals. And uh, whatever was uh, exposed to the water would then indicate the um, expression of these crystals. And if you played, you know, heavy metal to the crystals, they would come out all warped and ugly. And if you played, you know, Beethoven, they would come out beautiful. And I always thought that his experiments were interesting in terms of human biology, because if we're made of mostly water and his experiments are in fact valid, then that would sort of lead us to the same indication as your research that thoughts really control everything in your biology, including ultimately how you feel. Is there any alignment there? Or what do you have to think about his work? No, I'm going to tell you exactly. And the answer is this. The most valid science on this planet, planet Earth, the most valid, tested, verified, truthful of all the sciences on planet Earth is quantum physics. I say, what's the relevance? Well, quantum physics takes us away from our conventional belief of a world made out of physical matter and of energy. Because quantum physics says what you see as physical matter is an illusion of energy, that everything is energy. But the most important principle of quantum physics, the most valid science, is consciousness is creating our life experiences. When Emoto puts consciousness into his work and then looks at his work, he's looking at the resolution of his consciousness. This is healthy water. This is sick water. He's he's got it he's got it in there, uh, which you know gives me that little thing about well you know heavy metal music versus Beethoven or something like that. I said well basically it also depends on the person who's creating the field. Consciousness is creating this. If if you think you know Beethoven is far better than Led Zeppelin, then you know Beethoven's music is going to do better. That's simple as that. But that's the belief of the individual. <laughs> I hate to do that because the reason is I love a lot of rock music and I'm not about to say, hey, that's taking me away. It makes me feel good. So it, I, I go the other way with it. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Well, I guess it's like that thing of, you know, um, a phenomenon that you're observing changes based on the fact that it's being observed, right? I mean, that's that, what I mean, physics that's... is all about. Physics says it's what you see. What you see is that manifestation. But what you see wasn't by accident. What you see is connected to your creativity. But when you also have to say this, I am alone not creating this. I am creating this in participation with other creators, everybody else. So if I accept their belief system to be part of the community, then the power of the community is even more powerful in manifesting reality. Each of us, uh, here, very interesting fact. Thoughts are creating our biology on the inside. Fact of science. Why? It changes the chemistry of our blood with different thoughts. Okay, fine. Then I go, what's interesting about this is, well, then is my thought just contained in myself so that my thought is only affecting everything below my head? And I go, well, we could see the process of thought when you put wires on a person's head. It's called electroencephalograph, EEG. I'm reading your brain activity. And the reason why you can read it is that the electrical activity of the brain is like connected to the skin like a wire. And so the skin carries the, the electrical energy and you can read it. There's a newer device called not electroencephalograph, magnetoencephalograph. It reads the magnetic field of thought. I say, what's the most important point? And this is like, if you get it, it's blow away. The probe for the magnetoencephalograph does not touch the head. Whoa. 
the, what the thing is that's blow away is, well, then obviously my thought was broadcast into the field because I'm <laughs> right. reading it out here. And all of a sudden you start right. to realize your brain is the equivalent of a tuning fork. It sends out vibrations, which are the vibrations reflect uh, love or fear. For example, love is harmony. Fear is noise. <laughs> and whatever I'm sending out, I'm sending it out into the world around me. And then it's influencing everybody else. And so if a whole bunch of tuning forks share the same vibration, the power is enhanced by the number of people. So I say, oh, yeah. So if you live in a, in a civilization, in a community, and everybody believes this, then that broadcast, uh, the energy, consciousness, is shaping the world to express that thing that we all believe in. If we change our belief collectively, if we change our belief, then the world changes with it. But then the problem is this. Let's say I believe in peace and I go out in the street right now and I'm creator Bruce Lipton. I say, I want to have peace in this world. And then you have to say, okay, let's measure the power, amplitude of your thought energy. And let's compare it to the, you know, 8 billion people around you uh, and see what theirs is. And all of a sudden you realize as a single person, I'm not going to be able to change the world per se, but I can change my response to the world. And that's the part that frees you. Uh, how, how does it free you? I'll give you an analogy so that it works exactly the same. You can walk across hot coals if your consciousness if, if your consciousness is already pre-programmed, your consciousness is ready to walk across the hot coals, you can walk across the hot coals. Don't, don't get in the middle and, and have a thought. Do you think I could do this? Because the moment you have that thought, you broke the consciousness, and then those coals can burn you. Well, so whether you can walk through the hot coals or not is based on your consciousness. Can I walk through a world that is in trouble and not experience the trouble? The answer is, yeah, if my consciousness is walking over the top of that, I, I, it doesn't bother me. So we may not change the world, but you sure as heck change the world that you are familiar with, the one that you're broadcasting, the one that influences those people around you and create. And while all of a sudden, oh, well, there's the magic word. It's like all of a sudden out of the sky, create comes in uh, because right. we are creating our life experiences. And if we own that, then we have to say, well, if I'm creating my life experiences, how come it doesn't match what my creation wishes are? If I wish for health and happiness and money and all this other stuff and I'm not, I'm not getting, getting it, then apparently, apparently I'm, not I'm not creating. And I go, oh, <laughs> the catch, the big, you didn't read the fine print. Here's the catch. The catch is the mind is controlling our experience. But then we say the mind, it sounds like there's one thing. And I say, no, that's where the problem comes from. There are two minds. They, each mind has a different function. And really importantly, each mind learns in a different way. Ha! And I say, so what are the two minds? So I say, the conscious mind, the latest evolution of the nervous system, the conscious mind is connected to our personal identity, our source, our spirit. We are individuals in the conscious mind. And I say, what a character of conscious mind creative. That's why humans are can manifest the, the creations we have, because imagination, creation uh, led to, look, all the technology in the world in which we live, okay? Because we are creative, conscious mind. But there's the subconscious mind. I go, what's that one? I say, well, that's, that's just the habit mind. It's a program mind. You put a program in it, and then for the rest of your life, you have that program until you rewrite it. 
And a lot of people say, oh, that's the evil mind. I go, okay, let's clear that off here. The mind is like a CD recorder. Point. Is the CD recorder good or evil? <laughs> I go, it's not the recorder. It's the program you put into the recorder. So is the subconscious mind good or evil? No, that's the machine. I'll give you the good part. There, you know, when did you learn how to walk? Before you were two? Are you still walking? Did you have to relearn how to walk? You know, I'm 75. Thank God I don't have to spend my time learning how to walk. Why? Because before I was two, I put a program in there and it's still playing the same program. <laughs> so the issue is, I don't want to change that program. It works really pretty well. But programs we get, it's about 70% of the downloaded programs in the subconscious mind are disempowering, negative, self-sabotaging programs. Uh, and so I say, where'd you get them from? I say, ah, point, simple. Go to the Apple store, you buy a brand new iPod, music player, okay? And I say, uh, oh, brand new, spend a lot of money, take it out of the box, push play. Nothing happens. And I get really upset being an old dinosaur. I go, geez, I just spent all the money on a damn iPod, the damn thing doesn't work. And then some little, uh, some seven-year-old kid comes up, a seven-year-old kid comes up and and I'm fuming about it, not playing the music. And the seven-year-old kid looks at me and says, did you download any music? I go, what are you talking about? Well, if you don't download any music, you can't play any music. I go, oh, brain, record device. I can't play a program until I put some programs in. And the first seven years, the nervous system is designed to create programs. I say, how does it do it? It's in hypnosis. All it does is observe the behaviors of the parents, the siblings, and the community. And in that process of hypnosis, no learning required, but it's not in conscious mind. It's just going straight in subconscious program, just like the CD recorder, just going straight into the program. I said, and so what are the programs? I said, well, other people's behaviors, mom, dad, family. And I say, this is important. I say, why should I have these programs? And the answer, profound. You want to be a functional member of a family and a functional member of a community? How many rules do you think you have to download to, to be there? I said, if you gave an infant a book and said, study these, you know, 50 pages, 1,000 pages, I don't care, uh, of behavior. It's like a kid can never learn that. So nature says, forget the book. We're going to put you on hypnosis record. You're going to record behavior by observing how everybody else behaves. And then now you have that program. You can use it. So you play back. It's downloaded. Now I could play it back. Uh, uh, and this, this is how we got downloaded with programs at the beginning to get off the ground. So the first seven years, your brain is not in consciousness. Your brain is in what is called theta vibration. Theta uh, is characterized as imagination. This is why kids under seven can mix the real world, imaginary world, and experience life. Like they'll uh, have a tea party and the teapot has nothing in it and they pour it into a cup and there's nothing in it. Then they drink the nothing and talk about how wonderful the tea was, theta. But theta is also hypnosis. So this is how we download the operating system to get us off the ground and to be functional members. At around age seven, the conscious creative mind comes in. Well, that's the mind with wishes and desires. That's the one that all of a sudden we have a compass. We can set, I'm going toward this. I'm going toward what? Whatever I wish and desire. So the conscious mind creative can take us toward wishes and desires. Now comes the entire monkey wrench that has blown up civilization and caused all of the problems. 
the problems with that civilization has to face is this. We are operating off of the program mind, not the creative mind. We use the creative mind to seek wishes and desires 5% of the time. 95% of the behavior that's coming out of us is coming out from subconscious. Now, sidebar, subconscious is defined as below conscious. So the behavior when you're playing subconscious, you don't see it. It's below conscious. I say, yeah, but where did the behavior come from? I say, it's not even your behavior. You got it from parents, family, community. <laughs> and 70% of those downloads were disempowering in the first place. And then you go, yeah. And I say, well, how come am I playing 95% from the program? Why am I not creating 100%? And the answer is because the creative conscious mind that can look out and manifest wishes and desires can also think. Think? Ah, redirects the conscious mind, not looking outwards, but inwards. So, hey, uh, look what are you doing on Wednesday at 2 o'clock? If you're going to answer that question without looking on a piece of paper, you're going to go into your head and go, oh, Wednesday, what am I doing Wednesday? You know, you're thinking. <gasps> thinking took, you're driving the vehicle with your conscious mind. Toward where? Wishes and desires. I'm driving toward that. Conscious mind all of a sudden has a thought. Guess what? Put it on autopilot. Why? I have to go inside for the thought. I can't be looking out the window anymore. I'm going to go look inside. I said, well, what's autopilot? I go, subconscious. I go, why is that relevant? I said, because when you are thinking, if you're walking down the street, it doesn't mean just because you're not paying attention now because your consciousness went inside, you're going to walk off the sidewalk, hit a tree. You walk perfectly well. You can drive the car and have thoughts the entire time, not even pay attention to the driving. Ah, autopilot, subconscious. Well, then here's the problem. And this is it. 90 5% of our life is not coming from conscious creative mind. It's coming from habits, subconscious programs. And now here comes the big wrench. Why are we playing them? Because the conscious mind went inside. It's not paying attention. So that whatever behavior is now coming out from my autopilot program, I'm the one that doesn't see it because I'm inside. And and then when you find out 70% of those programs are, you know, disempowering, then you realize I'm using it 95% of the day because that's how much I'm thinking. And 70% of that is self-sabotage and I can't see it. And that's where the whole problem of the world comes down to. I got wishes. I got desires. I can't seem to manifest them. Matter of fact, it's all going to hell. <laughs> I don't understand why. And then it's like, well, it must be. God's not with me. Nature's not with me. It's not in my cards to be successful because now I'm a victim. I have wishes and desires. Something is clashing with them. It's not me. I still have wishes and desires. I go, it's your own subconscious that was playing 95% of the day using programs you didn't observe that were sabotaging you because you downloaded the program from people with bad programs. <laughs> now you have bad programs. Okay, uh, and so the whole important con conclusion of this is very simple. The life you are experiencing is not coming from wishes and desires. It's coming from program and and you don't see it. So this is the the story I've told in lectures for 30 years. The story is this. You have a friend, you know, your friend's behavior very well, and you know, your friend's parent. And someday you notice that your friend has the same behavior as their parent. So you, you got to acknowledge this, you know, you have to say, 
hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And I say, then you back away from Bill. Bill's going to go ballistic. He's going to say, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And everyone laughs because they have some experience. I go, well, this is the most profound story. Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. It's only Bill who can't see it. And then profound part of the story, too. We are all Bill. Yes, Luke. Yes, Bruce. Yes, all of us. Every day, 95% of the day, we are playing invisible programs, most of which are not really supporting us. We don't even know we're playing a damn program, but all we see is the result. The result is this is not the life I wanted to create. And now I'm a victim of apparently must be forces outside because I always had the positive wish and it's not me. I go, yeah, but your positive wish, 5% of the day. Your negative programs, 95% of the day. The math is simple. Math is simple. It's not going to work. Well, this begs the question, uh, you know, it's like the obvious glaring neon sign in the room now. How the hell, Bruce, do we change or get rid of those subconscious programs that we picked up when we were brainwashable and theta as a kid and even traumatic experiences that many of us have experienced that shape the rest of our lives and perhaps even influenced our character in such a way that now we're perpetuating negative experiences on others' lives that are in those formative years or adults? What are what are some of what are some of the you know the 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 you know kind of staples that you've discovered that people can use with this kind of knowledge to yeah. to clean out the gutters and you know start anew? Uh, the power of this is is that you are living somebody else's program and it's not working and you got program. I said when did when did this programming actually start? I said actually in the last trimester of pregnancy, learning in an infant starts then. So that let's say you play music around the abdominal wall so the fetus can hear the music, that if you repeat this music and play it over again, uh, when the baby is born and you put on that piece of music, the baby will instantly know that music. Or the father talks to the baby through the abdominal wall and the baby is born. The father opens his mouth. The baby will know exactly which one the father is from the voice. Point. The baby was already learning. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and it goes up through age seven. So here, here, here's the, the, the big issue about all this is that much of the programming occurred before we were even aware. What, what program did you get when you were zero? Well, I don't know. Well, what program did you get when you were two? I, I don't know. And I say, okay, so <laughs> the first thing you have to do is this. If you are programmed, which you are, you have to identify where the program is. So I'm going to help everybody by saving a lot of time. <laughs> and the answer is this, that 95% of our life is coming from the subconscious program. So in a sense, our life is a printout of the program. So I say, you want to assess the program? I say, look at your life. Here's the simple division. The things that you like that come easily into your life, the only reason they come into your life is you have a program to accept them. But the one that you want to deal with is anything you struggle over, anything you work hard for, anything you sweat over, uh, you're putting a lot of effort into making something happen. You struggle. I said, why are you struggling? And the answer is, beautiful part, inevitably, whatever that destination is that you were seeking and not getting, your programs do not support that conclusion. And that's why your conscious mind's trying to override a negative program and it's only working 5%. So it's got a real hard time to do that. Okay. 
Uh, and uh, so uh, important mentioning point is uh, the movie The Matrix is a good story for us for this reason. It's not science fiction. It's a documentary. Every one of us has been programmed. And it's interesting because I want to emphasize the nature of most everybody out there listening right now has taken what is called the red pill. In the movie, everybody got programmed. If you take a blue pill, you wake up and you're in the program just like every day. Nothing's different. But if you take a red pill, you get out of the program. And I'm going to give people a very wonderful, uh, not just a wonderful, but I want to give them a very hopeful insight here. And the hopeful insight is simply this. All of us at some age have taken that red pill. And the importance of that is, when did we take that red pill that took us out of the program? What was the consequence? Because all of us at some level after teenagers have touched it. I say, the day you fall in love with somebody is the day you've taken a red pill. I say, why is that relevant? Because I say, your life could suck every day, blah, 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 blah. Then you meet somebody and 24 hours later, you're reveling in, oh my God, heaven on earth. I'm so in love. Everything is great. The food's great. Music, even the job is better. I don't, I'm in love. I go, your life sucked every day. And then 24 hours later, you're living heaven on earth. Is that an accident or a quiz? I go, no, because we now know what the significance is. It is the first time in your life that you stay what is called mindful, meaning you stop thinking. And the reason is this. You've been waiting for this person to come into your life. Why would you then be thinking and not be there with them? <laughs> when, when you first get into this, you keep your conscious mind present because you're taking it in. I said, yeah, but conscious mind's wishes and desires. So I said, then what is the consequence when two people fall in love, stay in their conscious mind? What do they manifest? Heaven on earth. Well, that was wishes and desires. I said, how come it didn't happen before? I said, because they're not operating from that mind. Because they stop thinking. And the moment they stop thinking, they're in charge. And that's called being mindful, being self-conscious, okay? And I said, so why is that relevant? I said, well, that's why your life in 24 hours can go from blah, blah, blah into heaven on earth. All you did was just change the creativity because now you're operating from a different system. And then, then comes the important part. But the honeymoon doesn't last. I go, why not? And the answer is, well, how come you had the honeymoon? Because you stopped thinking. I say, and then what? I say, hey, you still got a job. You got chores. You got to pay taxes. You got to do all these things. I say, once those things start building up, you start thinking about them. And I say, well, yeah, but what happens when you're thinking? I say, oh, well, then you start playing the subconscious programs, which are mainly negative. I go, so what's the concept? What's the, what's the significance? I go, but mindfulness is okay. very difficult to do in a regular world because the amount of thoughts that are always going through our head. So I say, I need to go back and change the program. So I say, well, how did the program get in there in the first place? Because that's the way you got the program. That would be the way you would change the program. So I say the first seven years, your brain was in a low vibration called theta, which was just below consciousness, which is alpha and then higher beta. So I say, so you, that's called hypnosis. So I say, do you need to see a hypnotherapist? I say, no. All you need to do is at night is put a pair of earphones on your head with a program uh, of what you would like to be true in your life. And I say, why is it relevant? And the answer is simply this. When you're alert at work, you're at a high vibration called beta, the EEG vibration with the wires. As you come home and relax, the vibration slows down to what is called alpha, which is called calm consciousness. So you're calming down. 
when you go to bed, the moment your consciousness disconnects, the vibration that's operating then is called theta. Well, that's the hypnosis one. In other words, the conscious mind shut off when alpha went out, but the subconscious is still on while it's in theta. So if you put a pair of earphones on at night with a program of the thing that you would like to be true in your life, or you're, you know, you're putting in a program, it's called self-help tape or self-help CD. Yeah. Um, you put that on and, and this beautiful part is that your conscious mind's not even involved. <laughs> you actually are sleeping and the program is going in. So you do this and repeat this. And what it does, it will download a program straight into the subconscious mind, bypassing conscious mind. Conscious mind has nothing to do with this at this point. This is called self-hypnosis, auto-hypnosis, or something like that, okay? That's one way of doing it. But there's a second way the subconscious learns, because after seven, the brain is not operating at that lower vibration. It's now operating at higher vibrations of consciousness. So I say, yeah, but I still learn programs. I say, well, how'd you learn a program after age seven? And the answer is repetition. Whatever it is, I practice something. Uh, if I want to play an instrument, I can't play an instrument until I do what? I practice it, and all of a sudden, now I'm programming how to play some instrument, okay? Driving a car. You can't drive a car until you practice driving the car. I go, it is the practice repetition, which is creating habits, which is the character of the subconscious mind. It's the habit mind. So once you learn how to do something... You never have to relearn how to do it again, but you have to put it in. I say, well, how do you put in a habit? I say, repetition. You have to do an exercise. A lot of people think, well, if I put a sticky note on the refrigerator, I'm going to reprogram. I go, no, that's a suggestion. Uh, a, a repetition. A repetition is a habit. It's something you have to do. You've got to practice, process. So uh, I, I generally refer to the new age uh, one, which I think is kind of humorous, and that is fake it till you make it. In other words, I'm not a happy person. Yeah, but I want to be happy. So what do I do? All day long, whenever I can remember, I say to myself, I am happy. I am happy. And you look out and, you, and your conscious mind's going to go, yeah, right. Look at this. I go, no, just keep saying I am happy. It's the repetition of I am happy that the subconscious mind will pick up on. And when it's repeated to a habitual level, it's now a program. And I, so, so I say, well, so what? And I go, we have to step back and then say, the function of the mind, and this is like the, the seed, the function of the mind is to create coherence between your belief and your reality. If you believe you're not lovable, the function of the mind is to generate behavior that will prove to you you're not lovable. If you, if you prove you, you can make a lot of money in your mind, uh, program, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, in fact, is a book about all this that said, if you came in a rich family, what kind of programs you get? I'm going to be rich. Uh, how? It's subconscious, not even conscious. Uh, and I go, so what's the relevance? I say, if you repeat something that you want, I am happy, I am happy, I'm happy, the program will kick in, it will record it. Then what's the function of the mind? And this is the cool part, because it has nothing to do with consciousness. It's automatic. 95% of the day, your mind will make an effort to make that program real. So the behavior that will come out unconsciously, 95% of the day, will be all behaviors to substantiate I am lovable. So the two primary ways of changing subconscious are A, getting into a state of theta, hypnosis, and B, is to actually uh, go through a period of repetition 
repeating over and over again that belief that you want to be a program. And once it's in, in the subconscious mind, is repetition is now called a habit, and the function of the mind is to manifest all the habits. So that, that's easy one. Now, those take time. So now I need to tell you about the third one, which is like the miracle of today's world. Uh, you know, it's like, a, uh, what's that? Something the mother of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention. We need to change our behavior really quickly at this time on this planet because human behavior is precipitating what science calls the sixth mass extinction of life. We're, we're destroying the environment so fast that we will be part of that destruction within 100 years. Uh, and now it's recognized that human behavior is creating this. So guess what? The only way out of the problem is change human behavior. So we need to change it fast. And lo and behold, a new process of belief change steps in. It's called energy psychology. And energy psychology is a way of engaging super learning. I go, super learning? I go, you may have seen somebody in a bookstore read a book by just moving their finger down the page. As fast as they move the finger down the page, they've read the page. So how many times can I do that? Well, you know, once, once every couple of seconds, I can turn a book, I can read a book standing in a bookstore in 10 minutes by just turning the pages using super learning, read every word on the page, super learning. That's how powerful the mind is. But if you can engage that process and use it for belief change, then all of a sudden it says, oh my God, then belief change does not have to take a lot of time. You can change a belief program in minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It's like, oh my God, that's a miracle. Well, yeah, it is. And it's also necessary now because we're not moving in a healthy direction. <laughs> we have to change who we are, get rid of the limitations, those uh, 70% disempowering programs. And we know which they are because we said your life is wherever you're struggling, that's the program you want to change. And if you change those programs, each one, as you see them show up, you're sort of cleansing your, your program base. And, and then I say, well, what's interesting about it? I say, once the program has changed, you don't even have to work on it anymore. That's the coolest part. Once you put in the programs of happiness, love, health, you know, all these things, 95% of the day, these programs are going to play subconsciously without you even being involved. You could daydream your life through success. You could be totally successful and never even think about it because 95% is coming from the program. And unfortunately, as we keep emphasizing, the conventional percentage is about 70% of the programs we have are disempowering. And if we would change those, that would mean every moment of your day, you would be going toward wishes and desires. You will manifest what you're looking for. Health, happiness, relationships, whatever it is. If you don't have a program to support it, then life is a struggle every day because the program is going to cancel it because the behavior is going to match the program. But if you use... You just, you just explained uh, the vast majority of my life up until a few years ago. <laughs> it's like the, the groundhog day of, um, you know... Negative experiences and you know repeating those patterns and things like that. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a horrific way to live when you don't have knowledge like this and you're just you know you you really are in that victim state. It's just horrible. So I love these solutions. Well, the thing is, I, I I'm talking about this from two points of view. A eh? the scientist guy Bruce who put all this stuff together with the nature of the stem cells and how it works and all that kind of stuff. And then if I go back and I say, yeah, Bruce was really successful at science, but he really sucked at relationships. You know, I couldn't get a relationship off the ground. Uh, and, and then basically, well, the point was simple. My parents encouraged science and education and schooling and all that. 
But as models of relationship, boy, they were the worst models of relationship. So whatever <laughs> I downloaded was a behavior that would actually cancel relationships because what I was looking for was not what they were expressing, but I was creating what they were expressing. Uh, and the whole point about it is, yes, once I started to get onto this understanding, the first thing is this, you don't need any doctors. I haven't had a really formal doctor in since 1992 when I left the university uh, uh, because they paid for it. Once they sent me a bill to pay for my own health care, it was sort of like, really? That much? No, no doctor. <laughs> and say, because what was my consciousness? You can't afford to get sick. You don't have insurance. Guess what? So I didn't get sick. People have insurance go, oh, life really is, oh, geez. You know, unconsciously, the brain will go, Oh, if we get sick, then we'll go to the hospital or we'll stay in bed and somebody will take care of us and we don't have to deal with life. Sickness shows up as, oh, that, that's the remedy of the problem I'm in right now. What, uh, and, and so you can free yourself. And, and I had to do this with my personal programming of relationship. And it's so wonderful because it, I was 50 when I actually met Margaret and, and both of us understanding the science we're talking about created this fabulous relationship. Why? Because if a negative behavior came up, playing from the subconscious, let's say I wasn't aware of it because I'm playing subconscious, I'm doing the bill here. Instead of an argument, which would be conventional relationship. Oh, what kind of behavior is that? that uh, and this is where the argument comes. Uh, you're in a relationship. You play a subconscious program at some moment because you're thinking your partner hears this really lousy behavior and then says to you, what kind of behavior is that? That's really you know bad then recognize this. When I just played that behavior, I, like Bill, I didn't see it. I was thinking. And now being accused of not being a loving person, whatever that relationship was, I'm like defensive. What are you talking about? And all of a sudden that becomes an argument. And boy, the honeymoon starts to go away when these behaviors show up. But if you understand this and your partner understands this, then if a negative behavior comes up, it doesn't turn into an argument. It turns into an opportunity to say, no, I don't really like that behavior myself. Let me put in a new one. And once you start clearing your behavior list of those negative things and you start to clear it and all of now your behaviors are all these positive, loving, beautiful thoughts, then guess what? Your life becomes positive, loving, and beautiful because you're creating from these programs 95% of the day. That's, um, yeah, that's so true. You know, I've seen in my own experience and observing people and interviewing so many people and getting feedback from so many listeners that um, people are becoming, myself included, more aware of these triggers, you know, and, and you can have a, a real-time experience as you're describing in relationships, say, where, you know, a partner does something that offends you or a friend or family or whatever. And then, you know, through meditation and mindfulness and these things of having some awareness of the thought or feeling preceding my reaction or defensiveness or offensiveness to stop and observe that. And if something slips through to then sit down and go, okay, let's take a look at this. Uh, you know what? The way you just said that totally reminded me of how my mom or dad used to do X, Y, and Z when I was a kid. And now I see why I was triggered to react in that way, right? Exactly. The whole That's the knowledge, the awareness above third party looking at yourself as a director of your show, not being the actor in your show, the director saying, oh no, make this move and turn left and do this. It's like, oh, okay, right. uh, uh, th this is really what, what's really necessary. Uh, and it's really so beautiful because as I said, 
avoids all the arguments and the repetition of playing the same damn program over and over again and ending up in the same place each time and then going, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> Uh, And it's really, really exciting because every aspect of your life, from health to resources to relationships to everything, uh, has a pre-program to it. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. There's one question I get over and over again from listeners, and that is, Luke, if you could recommend one product or lifestyle practice to really improve your health, without breaking the bank, what would it be? And I have to say, blocking blue light at night has got to be my number one hack. I think a lot of our problems uh, in health really come down to being completely domesticated, cut off from natural light, sun, different temperatures, the earth, right? So if we want to live indoors and turn on the lights at night and go out into the world where there's blue light, aka just really bright, white, unnatural light after dark, uh, it's real easy to fix that. All you have to do is get some blue blocks glasses. You know, studies have clearly shown that blue and green light at night is a super potent suppressor of melatonin. But the guys over at Blue Blocks have the Sleep Plus lenses that are the most effective blue and green light blockers for after dark use, proven to block 100% of the light in this range, which is super important. So these guys do prescription glasses, reading glasses, non-prescription glasses at a tremendous value. If you want to check it out, go over to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com. If you want to get hooked up with a 15% discount, you can use the code LIFESTYLIST. So the code is LIFESTYLIST. The website is blueblocks.com. They have a variety of different styles. And uh, as I said, this is one of my top recommendations, something you can do to really impact your health without spending a ton of money. Just get in the habit of making it dark at night when it's supposed to be dark. And thankfully, companies like these guys are making glasses that don't look ridiculous like they used to when I started out (laughs) trying to block that light at night. So blueblocks.com, the code is Lifestylist. And now back to the interview. Well, I want to I want to ask you about a couple health things as they're related. Uh, I definitely want to cover this, you know, sort of uh, why. Well, I'll just get into it later. That you know, if my ancestors had X Y Z disease, then I'm destined to get. I want to debunk that whole thing because I try to explain it to my friends, and I don't do a very good job of it, and they still believe the old paradigm. So I definitely want to remember to cover that note to self. But um, something that I'm sort of becoming aware of is because I'm someone who's been really interested in health and alternative healing and all these things for so long, uh, I think I'm aware perhaps to a larger degree than some people about the dangers of something like um, EMFs, for example, or geoengineering in our skies and things like that, that a lot of people just aren't aware of because they haven't gotten ill or there's no reason for them to do the research or they're just, they just don't care or, you know, maybe eating GMOs or some, you know, some of the really low hanging fruit of what's damaging our health as a species and the environment too. Um, And I struggle sometimes with having an awareness about things. So just today I'm driving back from Ojai, right? And I'm, I, I come down Laurel Canyon. I just moved into this house, which is you know why the Wi-Fi is going out. I'm in this canyon and I'm coming down Laurel Canyon. One of the reasons I moved here is because there's no cell towers and I don't get cell service in this canyon. And yeah. most people would not want to move somewhere for that reason. But that's why I chose this place because I was for the past three years unknowingly living uh, within 100 yards of two massive cell towers. And they were hidden behind this wall and I didn't even know. And what was interesting about that experience is 
I've been doing a lot of research about the negative effects of radio frequencies and the various, you know, degrees and types of EMFs. So I would have never, ever, ever moved to that apartment had I had, you know, meters and stuff and discovered that these cell towers were there. But in terms of like a negative placebo, I had no idea that those cell towers were there. And once I did, I looked back at some of the symptoms that I had been experiencing over the past three years, such as constant dizziness, vertigo, headaches, all sorts of issues that I never had prior to living there. I'm extremely health conscious. I mean, I don't know anyone that lives as healthy as of a lifestyle as me, at least, you know, as much as you can living in a city. So it sort of proved to me, wow, I didn't even know these were here. And here I had all these symptoms and negative effects of the cell towers, even though I was not consciously aware of them, which sort of proved to me that these effects are real. Because, right? So one could, you know, one could start then developing health problems because they know the cell tower is there, right? And maybe that's an unfortunate part because now consciousness (laughs) is saying, I expect to have a problem because look at the damn tower. Right. Right. Well, this is okay. This is the problem I want to solve because today I'm on my way back from Ojai and all along Laurel Canyon, down lower than me, uh, I'm up in the sub canyon of Laurel Canyon, I guess you could say, is they have these 5G towers the whole way so that people get cell service, you know? know? And I'm driving in my car and I want to, you know, I'm envisioning how I can build sort of an EMF proof tank to drive around in. And I have a sense of fear and anxiety because I'm getting radiated. So, I can't unknow that because I've been red-pilled into an understanding about the nature of these frequencies, but it's like, where does the damage that's in reality happening to my biology because of these radio waves end? And where does it begin from my psychologically having a belief around the fact that I'm in danger and I'm getting sick? So it's almost like a double jeopardy if you know something like that is in your environment and you know the effects because now you're having a double, you know, sort of a double negative. So what 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 might input you might have on that phenomenon? Okay, phenomenon. number one, uh, let's talk about the double influence, and that is this: uh, people are very familiar with placebo effect. Placebo effect is you have an illness, a doctor says, "Here's the greatest new pill. This is going to cure you. It's right off the research bench. This is great." You take the pill, you get better, and then later you find out it was a sugar pill, so or the okay. or the fake knee surgery. That's the that's the placebo one I love. Oh gosh. Uh, all of these, a hundred thousand of those a year, which are not necessary because it's a placebo effect. It's the it's the process that makes you feel I've done something and now it's going to get better. And everyone goes, yeah, I understand that. And I say, yeah, but you see, what people leave out of that is the fact that the, what about negative thinking? Because this is a result of positive thinking. And it turns out negative thinking is equally powerful in shaping your life, but in the opposite direction. It's called nocebo, but we don't talk about that. Now you go, we only talk about the effect of positive thinking. It's like, no, it's the damn negative thinking, which is equally powerful that can kill you. You can get any disease. You can get any illness with negative. You can die from a belief, a fear. Uh, you can die from that. That's a negative belief. Okay. So now the system is this. It's all based on belief. Yeah, and I go, now here's the issue. We, there's an old saying in the spiritual world or, you know, in the new age world is like, surround yourself with white light. And I said, oh, that's nice. What the hell is that? I said, you know, there's interesting, there's a kind of photography, it's called Curlian photography. I don't know if you're familiar with it. You can see the aura around, let's say around your fingers. And here's the point. When you're healthy, that aura is solid all the way around. But when you are vulnerable, there are perforations in the aura, perforations. The point is this, 
the aura can keep out everything. That's what you can walk across the hot coals with, okay? But if you have perforations, then things can get in that you've opened the gate. That you've opened, it's like an infection. Some energy can come in. So, point. Uh, of course, when they looked at the significance of living underneath high tension power lines, what influence on health? And sure enough, there was a correlation. There was an increased level of cancer or whatever. Health was not as good of those living under the high tension lines. And uh, therefore, the whole idea of, oh, electromagnetic fields and all this come out. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who live under the high tension lines never have an effect of the high tension lines. They're living in the same environment. <laughs> oh, damn it. This is, okay, go on. This is good. And the answer is this. The perforations in that shield are based on stress. The more stress you're under, the more perforations. The more perforations, the more the outside can come in and affect you. If the shield is strong, you can walk through, like a doctor walks through all the wards with all the sick people, doesn't go home at night with all the illnesses that he's there. Why? He's a doctor. He has to, he, he's got the knowledge. Of, I'm safe from this. I am the doctor. I'm not the patient. I'm not a patient. I go, oh, okay, that's a great belief system because it allows them to deal with sick people without taking it on. But as the average person, you, me, uh, we're, we're out here in the world. And I say, yeah, but what's coming in? I say, well, whatever pores you have, you're open to whatever that is. But if your thoughts are solid and your consciousness is up, then nothing can affect you. And the idea is this, then our health is a status of almost just looking at a measurement of your consciousness level. When you're low in consciousness, that means the outside is greatly influential, okay? As your consciousness level increases, the influence of the outside is less. <laughs> so there's a point, none of us are there, walk on the water. Yeah, but that can happen, but we're not consciously ready to do that yet. But the issue is, who are the people that are getting sick? And I say, those are the people whose consciousness level is low, and have opened themselves to the outside world. And that you need to strengthen your consciousness. I am surrounding myself with white light. I am powerful. I am not going to get the flu, even though that's what they've been advertising on TV for months. I'm not going to get the flu. Well, that person doesn't get the flu. The one who gets the flu is, oh my God, there are germs out there. And they said, this is the time that they can affect me. Boom, no SIBO. I got a flu. I'm creating from this belief system. And so... The relevance of the influence of the outside is, uh, it's directly, it's actually inversely correlated with consciousness. The more conscious you are, the less you have to worry about anything, food, energy fields, I don't care what the hell it is. But if you're at a lower level of consciousness, you are perforated. This, is, this could open you to anything out there. So what do you do? Well, I'm going to take a lot of medications and drugs. I go, well, that's one thing. How about change your consciousness? Once you've changed your consciousness, you're free. You don't need the drugs and the medications and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because you are a creator. You've always been a creator. But if you create from weakness, then you can only manifest weakness. And we have been, this programming stuff is, is not new. I mean, it's 400 years that the Jesuits have said, give me a child until it's seven and I will show you the man. For 400 years, the people in knowledge, the no people, have already known that whatever program you get in the first seven years is going to shape the rest of your life because 95% of your life is going to come from that program. So by shaping your childhood, they have controlled your life. And that's where the Matrix story comes from. Holy crap. That's insane. 
Uh, okay, so, you know what you what you're what you're stating here reminds me uh, of something that was brought about by David Hawkins. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, yeah, Power versus Force, yeah. etc. Yeah. So, you know, he discovered this uh, sort of alternative use of kinesiology, wherein he would test, uh, you know, whether something was factual or false, rather than just like, hey, is this supplement good for me? Am I allergic to broccoli? That kind of you know the typical sort of physical response. But he would test kind of theories and ideas. And how he discovered that was by, te- he was testing, um, uh, you know, aspartame and these these uh, really toxic uh, artificial sweeteners. And then he was testing uh, some of his students or followers or whatever it was, I forget the specifics, but then he had a group of people that were doing A Course in Miracles and they didn't go weak to any of the other stimuli. It was, oh, it's artificial light. It was like fluorescent lighting and, uh, you know, um, aspartame, fake sweetener. And the people that were raising their consciousness doing A Course in Miracles at that particular time didn't go weak to that stimuli, that negative stimuli, while the regular people did. I mean, that explains kind of the same phenomenon that you're talking about, right? It's exactly what it is. First thing you have to own, and that's where the physics comes right back in, number one, right in your face, consciousness is creating a life experience. That's hard for people because when you live in the world the way we've lived and the programs we've received and the behaviors we've experienced, that sounds alien. But the fact is, if you understand the meaning and apply it, then it's like, no, it's not alien. When I wasn't thinking in the right way, I wasn't living in the right way. Ah, and this is the wake-up call. This is why we're waking up. This is the evolution that we have to face right now. And the evolution is you are creating this. Stop being the victim because the victim is a thought. It's a mentation. And if that's your mentation, then you will manifest victim. That's how it happens. So so how, how how far does this go? You know, as I'm sitting here in my office that's kind of still half unpacked, and as as I indicated, I had to plug in this Ethernet cable. And one of the things that bothered me about moving in here is that um, you know, I have to have Wi-Fi going all through the house basically in order to use my phone because there's no phone service. I almost shot myself in the foot trying to avoid cell towers so much that now I have to have Wi-Fi inside the house, which is just another version of radiation. But as I'm sitting here right now, I swear to you, I have an underlying sense of fear that the router that's carrying these radio waves is so near to me that it's hurting me. And I have that belief and I'm observing that belief, you know? So it's like, do you think it's possible to completely uh, overcome the negative physical effects of that by having a strong enough auric field or a high enough vibration or consciousness that I am that I am impervious to the damage of that? So I can be aware that it might hurt some people and some biological organisms, but not mine because I have my force field of consciousness up. I am, yes, it's exactly what it's all about. The idea is you are creating, that's not even, you can't challenge that. That, That's quantum physics, that already says that. Now, the idea of what are you going to create? Well, as you sat there and you're creating the fact that I'm going to be impacted by this is then, well, then I have to be impacted by it. Otherwise, my belief is stupid. (laughs) But your belief is now going to be true. Yeah, I'm impacted by this. And look, oh, look what happened to me. Okay, see, I told you. And I go, yeah, but the other person sitting next to you doesn't have that belief system. They're in the same exact field as you, and they have no consequence of it. I go, why? Because it's really what their consciousness is, what their consciousness is, okay? So the moment you put fear in, you perforated the thing to let in whatever that fear was because you acknowledge that that thing can affect me. Well, if it has to affect you, it has to get in. I said, well, how's it get in? You opened up the pore <laughs> into that, that shield. 
And so, yeah, sitting there in that seat with that psychology, you're going to get sick if you keep that up. And the point about it is, no, you got to really start to say, am I powerful? Is the damn router powerful? <laughs> and you're right. more powerful right. than anything. <laughs> you're the creator of the whole thing. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, I, I, I do get that. And I've, I mean, I've overcome, you know, with the help of grace and a lot of helpful, uh, kind people, but I've overcome, you know, horrific alcoholism and addictions and all sorts of negative behavior and thought patterns and horrible relationships and everything that a human can kind of screw up in their life. I feel like I've done and I've overcome so much of it using what you're talking about of just raising my consciousness and repetition and reprogramming myself and all of that. And I feel like I've um, largely been able to do that. But if you look at you know what I was saying earlier about I was living by those other cell towers for three years and I didn't know it and I was still really sick and then it, you know it's it wasn't a, a nocebo it was actually having an effect on me even though I've been someone who's building my aura or raising my vibration my yeah, consciousness were, for a long time. But look, you were probably also back there recognizing you were frail and vulnerable at some level that I'm a vulnerable person. And you didn't have to find out which one it was. You can pick the one. Oh, you found the one. It's the microwave. But you were already acknowledged. That's why you were working so hard to not be vulnerable. <laughs> and the idea is, so I say, you know, this is what the whole issue is. Well, I'm going to work hard to not be vulnerable. I go, well, this is great. But what's the first thought? The first thought is I am vulnerable. The second thought is I'm going to work hard not to be vulnerable. I go, the second thought is not relevant in this one. It's the first thought. The first one is I'm vulnerable. The, working to not be vulnerable doesn't keep you from being vulnerable. That's just an ongoing process. You need to put the program. I'm invulnerable. I am powerful. I am strong. I am doing this. Why? Because that's when you build up this, this energy around you that will keep you in that form where you're actually enough energy is being broadcast that you're creating in front of you whatever that thing you were thinking about. And seeing it, the more you put that energy in, the more manifestation you're going to get. Well, the problem with manifestation is, is the difference between uh, manifesting health or manifesting disease. I go, hey, they're both thought, <laughs> and the amount of thought is going to create it. It's which one you're looking at. So if you sit there with the first premise is, holy crap, the router's going to kill me. It's like, well, that's not a good start <laughs> from, the, from that on, right. from that point on. So it's really... Uh, it, it's interesting because um, here's powerful, just powerful. And I have a video of it from uh, the cameraman who, who filmed it for Discovery TV. Uh, they were down south with uh, those fundamentalists that worked themselves up into religious ecstasy and they start speaking in tongues and they play with snakes. Well, that was, that's cool. They get bitten by the snakes and they don't really have any adverse effects. The one that's interesting is, which is on the video, they drink strychnine poison in toxic doses under the belief of God protects me with so assurance. It's not like 99% belief. It's like they are so committed that God is protecting them that they drink strychnine poison and don't have a harmful effect. And it's like, how the hell can that happen? The answer is it's not in their consciousness that it can affect them. It's zero. Wow. And it's like, and and the video, you know, the guys tested the solution. Sure enough, it was it, it was strychnine poison in toxic doses. <laughs> and it's like I don't want to be one of those because they're kind of crazy people anyway. But the reality is simply this: what affects you is what you perceive to affect you. 
what affects you is not just your own perception, it's your community as well, because each one of us is broadcasting a belief system. And if you're in the middle of a community where everyone around you in your community is, my God, strychnine poison is going to kill you, I, I wouldn't drink the strychnine poison. But in their community, everyone around them is, God will protect you. So there was no voice in their energy in that room that says, oh my God, you're going to kill yourself because everybody was in total belief. No, it's not going to happen. And it doesn't happen. And all of a sudden I said, well, my God, just think about it. If you can drink strychnine poison and not have any harmful effects, what in this world are you now concerned about? <laughs> because if right. you get away with that, then it's like, Jesus, the router? <laughs> totally. That's hilarious. Oh, man. See, this is like, Bruce, this is good news and it's bad news because so much of my lifestyle and the things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis are around, for lack of a better term, kind of protecting myself, right? Because I have the underlying belief that I am that I am vulnerable. So say like, um, you know, say, you know, I went out to dinner a couple nights ago and I accidentally ordered the gluten pizza. I meant to order the gluten-free and I just forgot to mention it. And they brought this delicious, just, you know, the heroin of pizza sitting in front of me, just that gooey cheese opiates and all the good stuff. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be fine. I'll, you know, it, I'm going to eat this and I'm just going to think positive and it's going to be okay. And I ate it and it was delicious. I enjoyed every bite. I mean, it was ecstatic, this pizza, because it's so rare that I get, you know, the real flour. And um, sure enough, following that, even though I really did my best to change my belief, my, um, you know, I don't want to get too graphic on the show, but there was evidence of that I had eaten something that didn't agree with me based on what came out later, you know, which is a typical reaction to eating gluten for me. Yeah, but here's what the problem was. You made that decision. It's going to be okay with your conscious mind. You didn't okay. make that decision with your subconscious mind. So for a moment, you were actually running with a conscious mind going, I can do this. But inevitably, you started thinking again anyway. And the moment you started thinking, the subconscious goes, hey, gluten, holy crap, this is going to kill us or whatever. And, and, right. and then you got sick. So the idea is, yeah, you can do this, but you damn well have to make sure your subconscious is in agreement with what you want to do. Because if it isn't, then you have two opinions going on, one working 5%, one working 95%. When you do the math, it's like, Jesus, uh, my wishes and desires don't count for very much if my subconscious doesn't offer me that opportunity. The odds are, yeah, the odds are stacked against you. Yeah, this is mind blowing. It's it's funny that this is like a, a difficult paradigm shift for me to make right during this conversation because this is stuff I talk about and kind of think that I believe and own uh, in many many ways and things I convey to friends and listeners and stuff like that. But I'm seeing when the rubber hits the road, you know, if I'm really honest with myself, I'm still somewhat trapped in in those beliefs. They're very strong because of all the research that I do and the experts that I interview about these different the things. The more knowledge you put in. But the question is, was it knowledge that was accurate or knowledge that was inaccurate? The brain doesn't decipher that. It just whatever you damn well you put it in. And if you put the negative knowledge in, then the brain is going to operate from negative knowledge. That's the way it operates. It, it, it's that you put it in the machine, push the button, playback, negative. Negative is like, well, all right. What do you expect? That's what's going to come out of the machine. When you're talking about when you're talking about reprogramming the mind, you know, and, and this repetition and and uh, getting in that self hypnosis theta state, uh, something that comes to mind is, uh, say, inducing a theta state by doing a float tank for you know a sensory deprivation yeah. tank or doing neurofeedback or 
um, even psychedelics, where you can you know alter your brain chemistry to the point where you intentionally make yourself more impressionable. So say I, you know, I, I do ayahuasca or I, you know, I listen to something in a float tank that's repeating, Luke, uh, you are not susceptible to EMFs. You are strong and powerful beyond belief, da, 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 whatever. Or I'm, you know, I'm listening to, um, you know, binaural beats and there's a programming going on behind that. I mean, could one use those ways of inducing a, a teachable, reprogrammable brain state and then put in the input that you want to replace uh, in terms of subconscious beliefs? Absolutely. You just have to open up the record system. I said the record system works in three ways. <laughs> Hypnosis, repetition, and energy super learning psychology. And if you're going to practice, that's learning how to push the record button. If you don't do this, let's say right. you, most people just talk to themselves. Okay, you know, Bruce, don't eat that donut. You know, that, that'll kill you. Don't eat the donut. <laughs> and then I end up eating the donut and getting angry with myself because I'm eating the damn donut. And then that makes things worse because now I'm yelling at myself for being stupid. That doesn't help anybody. But the simple reality is what? It, 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 the, the reality is I can talk to myself. And I say, yeah, but who is listening? That is where the whole thing is, the monkey wrench. Because there's nobody in the subconscious. It's just like nobody in a CD player. But the recording's going in. But there's nobody there to modify the recording because some outside voice said so. So uh, it, it, this is where people get frustrated because they keep trying to talk to themselves and then finding out they keep relapsing back into the same behavior. And I go, well, that's not an appropriate recording mechanism. Right, right. Um, have you ever looked into... And this is this is going to be another sort of mind over matter um, and belief based thing, but um, just kind of taking a little bit of a detour into biology and neurotransmitters and hormones, etc. Uh, something that I've uh, kind of been really interested in is the effect of light on us, right? Specifically, yep. I've benefited so much from sun gazing in the morning, for example, and. Yep. I find that if I eliminate uh, artificial blue light after dark as much as I can by, you know, making the lighting in my house amber at night and things like that, that I sleep better, I'm happier, I seem to be in more alignment with nature and my circadian rhythm and the rhythm of the planet and the solar system and all of that. Um, do you know what's happening when we're exposing ourselves to, you know, these these non-native, um, you know, uh, frequencies of blue light after dark that would never be present in nature in terms of melatonin, cortisol, this kind of stuff? Yeah, because we learned to live in a field in evolution. They were living in the field <laughs> and they were tied to nature one-to-one. -one. They lived in harmony with nature. They could read nature and they could then understand whether they're in the right place or the wrong place just by reading the nature. We have lost that ability. And then when you start saying, what's nature? I said, everything you're immersed in, whether it's the music you're playing or the lights that are on when you're playing that music, it's all part of information coming into your system. So therefore, then it relates back to, well, when those signals come in, what's the response? Stimulus response is the nature of the game. I say, well, when the signals come in, the response is based, well, if you're in a conscious mind, the response is based on your wish and desire with that signal. But if you're not being conscious, then the program you have will determine the response to that signal. Uh, and the more people learn about the negative this and the negative that, the more they're opening these pores in because now I believe, my God, these things are out there and I'm a victim because the whole damn thing is we've been programmed to be victims. And the reason is this. How come there are very powerful people in the world, Bill Gates or somebody like that? And how come we don't have any power? 
What do they have that gave them that power? The joke, they don't have any more power than you have, but you have lost your power because of programming and they have not lost their power. So if we want to be powerful, then it's not that you have to gain power. You just have to eliminate the interference between the power you came with and the one you're expressing. And that interference is programming. Bottom line, simple as that. So along uh, along with EMFs or eating gluten or anything like that, uh, one's belief that, oh my God, if I'm exposing myself to this non-native blue light after dark, I'm screwing with my whole circadian rhythm, circadian biology, and then I'm going to get sick is then just going to manifest what you don't want. It's sort of, you know, they say like worrying is praying for what you don't want. <laughs> exactly, because what is worrying? Kind of worrying is repeating, repeating a thought, repeating it. And it's the repetition of that thought that keeps broadcasting through the tuning fork. The more you repeat it, the more you're amplifying that thought. The more you amplify the thought, the thought turns into manifest reality. So whether it's a positive thought or negative thought, that, that's not relevant. It's manifestation with thought, but the character of the thought will determine the character of the manifestation. That's basically what it's all about. So... Um, as you increase your consciousness, you will let go of those fears because as you get more conscious, you recognize, oh, wait, I'm the one that's in charge here. <laughs> I'm the one that's going to determine how I'm going to respond to this thing here. Uh, but you also, you know, recognize, of course, that your subconscious is doing that. Uh, but that gives you the opportunity to read what my subconscious is doing. That takes us back to yeah, look at your world. If it's not working right, don't blame the world. Go inside and change the program that's not manifesting what you want. That's basically what it is. And that's our coming of age. That's our learning. That's our evolution. This is what we need to do right now. Because with the amount of disempowerment and then giving power to a few, 1%, then their power overrides our power. And all of a sudden, we are now slaves to a system. And it's like you're a creator and you're a slave. That doesn't, that, you know, it doesn't, how does that work? I go, well, if you're programmed to be a slave, then you'll create slave. And there we are. Well, it's so interesting what you're describing because one could listen to this model from a completely illogical new age standpoint that science doesn't matter, that things that you know to be factual, such as negative and positive stimuli, things that are good for your health, bad for your health, et cetera, that you can totally override that just by thinking positive. I mean, that could sound so out there, but from what you're saying and the way you're presenting it is on a quantum level based on quantum physics and, and actual factual scientific biology that this is in fact the way the universe works. So you could almost remove all woo-woo from and just say, no, this is hard science. Which is even for me, which, and I love both sides of that spectrum, is really still hard for me to like, could I really just like turn the Wi Fi on in the house and all the blue lights at night and just eat some gluten every day and just be happy and healthy? If I truly, truly believe that, it is still such a stretch for me to believe that that's possible. I know. And that's the hard part of why it keeps people from really moving forward because it's so daunting. It's like, nah, it can't be. Uh, 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 and it's like, it's, oh, that's going to be so hard to change. That's a problem for most people. It's like, change is hard. And I go, well, change isn't really hard. You can change in five, 10 minutes if you do energy psychology, you know. Uh, but our belief system, if you believe change is hard, then you've already put the filter in that whatever you're going to try to do is now going to be very hard because you already said it was hard. 
right. and, and and the fact is, yeah, but we can change. We can do all these things, and and our future is at this moment pivoting on owning that you're a creator and not a victim. <laughs> Because then you have power. But we have been programmed to be victim of bacteria. Sugar, sugar's going to kill you. Sugar's going to kill you if that's the belief system. For sure it will. I, I wouldn't argue with that. It'll kill you just as much as uh, strychnine. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm looking at another example of how I have a really strong belief system. And, and one of the things that I find really challenging uh, physically is, is air travel. You know, when I fly, I just get I just get devastated. I mean, it takes me two days to recover. In fact, I'm building a whole online program now to help people feel better while traveling, uh, jet lag and all of that stuff. But I travel with people, you know, say business partner, friends, et cetera. Um, and we're on the same flight going through the same, same time zones. We get off the plane and they're like, hey, let's go shopping. Let's go to dinner. Let's go hang out. Let's go do something. And I'm like, I can't even barely walk. And there's nothing different between us. We're both humans, you know, we're both homo sapiens. Like they're, I'm probably healthier than a lot of people I travel with based on the things that I do in my lifestyle. Yet I have that belief that flying wrecks me every time. And therefore I perpetuate that phenomenon. Your mind's job, and that's, that takes us back to the very simple, important point. The function of the mind is to create coherence between the belief and the reality. If you believe you're going to have cancer and you don't have cancer, but you really believe you have cancer, you can have cancer. A doctor gives a uh, you know misdiagnosis, tells a person they have cancer, and guess what? They die. <laughs> and they never really even had the cancer. They died from the belief of having the cancer. Uh, and so um, uh, this whole idea of the belief, uh, uh, you know, and uh, I'm not trained in any religion that I, you know, really. And, and, and I go, there's a couple of two important things that I would take from the Jesus story, not from the followers of Jesus, but from the words that he said. He said, all these things that I do, you can do them even better than I can, but you don't believe it. <laughs> that right. was the point. Right. And, and, and the cool part at the very end, he says, uh, when he's on the cross, the very end, and this comes up because this is also what we should learn. He told us, but we didn't get it. He, on the cross, just the last thing he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I'm saying everybody operating from a program does not know what they do. And if they're acting like a stupid idiot and then you attack them for being a stupid idiot when inside consciously they're really wonderful people, but their program is stupid idiot, then what have we done? We're not forgiving them for the program and we're making them the program. They are not the program. They are the player of a program. And unfortunately, as we started off the whole conversation, very few people even know this. So you confuse the program and the identity. We are not. We are not the program. We are creating from that program. And if the program sucks and you get mad at somebody because their program sucks, it's not them. They got the damn program. <laughs> and right. if we understand right. that and forgive, but also expand knowledge, then just like my relationship with Margaret, if I had a bad program, we change that. And now what? No bad programs. We wake up, we're in love all the time. Why? There's no stimulus that can make me go off the other side. Gone. It's it, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting, Bruce. With the programs, you know, I'm thinking of someone who is, you know, say politically re leans really strong one way or the other, or just has kind of a worldview that's deeply entrenched in their psyche, and they have this egoic attachment and identification with a particular perspective. I think politics is maybe the easiest one because that's one just people 
you know, a religion, you could say too, but politics, especially uh, in the past couple of years, you know, people are really, really freaked out about politics, especially in this country. And, you know, I see these like people that are just dug in, man, and they're immovable. But from what I'm observing as someone who's been sort of mm, getting my information from other sources than the mainstream media for quite some time, uh, all sorts of different sources. Uh, I see the the programming uh, that's gone on in people. But if you try to approach someone and say, "Hey, you may not be aware of this, but you've been programmed by media," there it's like an attack. There's this cognitive dissonance where they're so attached to the programmers, the powers that be, and the programming that it's a direct threat to their very existence to even question the fact that they have been programmed. Right. So you know, I mean, is there any hope for one that that can't even get get past the point that they have been programming, let alone undo that programming once it's been discovered. This is, this is what evolution is trying to give us the lesson. And if we can recover our creative power, then we can change this chaos into a garden. It used to be a garden, but we uh, have separated ourselves from that garden saying, oh, well, well, humans are separate from nature. And it's like, and we can do whatever we want. It's like, you are nature. You can't destroy nature. We are nature. <laughs> you destroy nature, we destroy ourselves. And so this is a consciousness thing because somewhere along the line, the programming happened like uh, in monotheism. Oh, there was nothing. And then God made a planet and put the water and all that and the plants and the animals. And then added humans. Like we weren't part of this thing. We were just added on top. And it's like, no, we came from the bottom up. We didn't come from the top down. And so if you destroy the bottom, you've destroyed who we are. And yet, especially the rapture people, they're the ones that always blow my mind because they're the ones that say, well, once we finish destroying the planet, God will take us and rapture us and take us to a new planet. And I'm thinking, what kind of parent, what kind of parent rewards you for destroying everything by giving you more? (laughs) It's like, it's kind of a a similar thing with the transhumanism movement. You know, it's like, wow, um, why should, why should we leave this world for a better one or become robotic when we haven't even sorted out how to just be human and love one another? It's such a bizarre, um, uh, prospect. Uh, there's one thing I wanted I wanted to cover with you, and this is kind of going back to you know some of the origins of your book, Biology of Belief, and going into genetic expression and epigenetics and all this. And I want to just summarize in a simple way for people why it is your perspective and has been widely supported. I think at this point that just because your ancestors happen to have cancer, Alzheimer's, alcoholism, etc., that that does not have to be your fate, because many people that I know still believe that. I mean, friends of mine will say things like, oh, I got to watch this or that because, you know, I'm in line for the next round of cancer in my family, uh, you know, gene pool. Why is that not true? Programming. That was a belief system that was incorrect. But science is our truth provider in today's world. It's not the church. You got a question? You don't go to the guy in the black frock. You go to the guy in the white lab coat to get the answer. So all of a sudden, our truths come from this place. And if they're altered if their truth is not truthful and yet you bought it, it becomes your truth. And the truth of the idea that uh, cancer is in any way genetic is that's completely false. There is no gene that causes cancer. There are environments that will manifest the cancer, but that's because you're not living in harmony. The cancer is a symptom. It's People think, oh, that's the problem. I go, no, the cancer is saying you're not living in harmony and your 50 trillion cell community is like the United States right now with bad leadership, split the po- population up 
breaking the system down, uh, threatening the whole damn thing. I go, that's because the leadership was off. And if the leadership in your mind is in harmony, then 50 trillion cells are living in total love and health and harmony. But if you put roadblocks in there from the government, the mind, then the population is going to stumble on all of these things. And this is why this wake-up call is so important right now. You are not a victim of genes. There is no gene that causes cancer. That's a fundamental truth right there. What what is the you know that's the new story? What is kind of how could you encapsulate the old story of the Newtonian physics kind of world? Uh, you know, backed by big pharma and that seemingly immovable thing that's having people remove their breasts because their grandmother had breast cancer and this kind of thing. Like, what's the old story that people are still believing? If you could explain the old that. the old story is simply the fact that when genes were discovered and genes were recognized to be associated with the characteristics of the biological organism and that there were good genes and there were bad genes all of a sudden and that genes controlled you without you controlling them and that the character of your life is a reflection of the genes and if you have a character running in your family running in the family was always associated with how did it go from parent to child well genes are transplanted but they never understood that the behavior as well only recently have we come into the behavioral component but that's epigenetics okay so what was the program of genes the genes are your character of your life. You inherit them. You inherit the character. And all of a sudden, then it says, oh, my God, if, uh, if this is running in my family, which then we immediately say caused by genes, and I'm a member of the family, then I am now susceptible to everything that happened in my family. And it turns out that this, that's the science of genetics. That failed. The new science is called epigenetics. Epi means above. So when I say genetic control, old science, Cancer is under genetic control. That means under the control by genes. But now we don't know. Cancer is under epigenetic control. This sounds the same. I go, no, it's the revolution. Epi means above. Genetic control, controlled by genes. Epigenetic control, control above the genes. And all of a sudden I say, what's that? Environment and perception. And all of a sudden I say, the entire victimization of genetics is canceled with the understanding of epigenetics. I said, well, how many people know about epigenetics? I said, well, they're beginning to hear the word, but they still have no idea of the power of it because epigenetics means not only the environment, but your perception of the environment is controlling your biology. If I have a perception of cancer, then I'm manifesting that perception. Change my perception. Oh, that's what, you know, spontaneous remission is all about. Although, although you said that that's, that's, you know, the old version of genetics has been disproved and is becoming archaic. I mean, is it not true that still the vast majority of Western allopathic medicine is still using that model? Yes. And I'll tell you the reason why. If you're a victim, then you need a rescuer. If you can't do it, I'm a victim. I need somebody else. Well, the moment if I make you a victim, I also put in position a rescuer and a rescuer is going to charge you for that rescue. Okay, (laughs) so the point about is this, if I'm a victim of health, I need some master to help me with my health. I give up control. And then you say, but why the pharmaceutical industry has an issue here? And I'll tell you why. The pharmaceutical industry is the one of the biggest industries on this planet. Why? People are afraid and they'll buy the drugs. Okay, 
And then we're talking now for the last hour or so, we're talking about energy and stuff like that. And I said, well, why aren't we using that? Why is that not available right now? And the answer is simply this. You can't put it in a capsule. You can't make a tablet out of it. You can't sell it. I go, oh, well, then is the pharmaceutical industry interested in energy healing? And I go, are you kidding me? They, that's an anathema to them. Why? Because if you can heal with energy, you can deal without chemistry. You don't have to buy a drug. You can heal with consciousness. And all of a sudden, I said, well, how much can you charge for that? I said, can't charge any money for that. That's, that's energy. That's consciousness. <laughs> and the moment you realize that the whole business model falls out the window because there's no money involved in energy healing, then why would the system that is not there for your health, the system, it's an industry, not the medical doctors, they're the pawns in the industry, pharmaceutical industry, they're the industry. What's the point? If I free you up with energy healing, I do not need to sell drugs anymore. And it's like, well, that's not in the business plan of the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> the only reason they're going to make money is you're going to buy the drug. So I have to take out of your consciousness the idea of energy healing. Because if you really buy into it, then they lose a customer. The same could be said for the health and supplement industry, you know. Uh, on the other side of it. I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm a huge supporter of, of the advertisers that pay for this show. Or that, you I know. am too. I am too. And I'll tell you why. Because I said, what you're lacking in consciousness, you can reinforce with support. That the supplement and health industry and the vitamins are a support system, not pharmaceutical industry. Pharmaceutical industry is, is a disruptor. 300,000 right. 300, people a year die from pharmaceutical prescription drugs. And I said, well, how many people die from the heroin and uh, all the morphine, whatever the hell they're doing? It's like, it's less than 20,000 or something like that. 300,000 people are dying from prescription drugs, 20,000 people dying from illegal drugs. And we have a war on illegal drugs and accept 300,000 people dying as that. And they, how did they say it? They uh, write it off. That's the cost of doing medicine. Okay, right. now, is medicine changing? No, not because of the doctors, it's not them. It's the pharmaceutical industry. They can't change because if they change, they lose the game. The game is over. And so uh, basically, um, it, we're being kept prisoners, victims, by trying to ignore this stuff because there's no profit for the company in this business. Well, thank you for that distinction between, you know, the supplement industry and the health industry as as supportive tools rather than, you know, in the medical industry, big pharma, it's not supportive, but it's a complete alter alternative to having any empowerment and any creation. And I and I want to thank you. You you found the substitute word when I when I want to say take control of your health or something like that. I don't like that word control. It's create. When you want to create your health and create the abundant. Uh, mentality to create, you know, spiritual health, psychological health. So you, you gave me the word that I'm going to use now. Uh, on the subject though, we're going to wrap up here in a minute because I know we've been on for a while and I appreciate your time. Um, what then, you know, in terms of the pharmaceuticals, and this is a hot topic, some people don't want to comment on it, you may or may not, but what's your take then on vaccines? You know, we have a pretty intense schedule of vaccines okay. for our newborns. The system has already developed a way of creating uh, uh, immunity. And I say, what is it? I say, there's structures in the back of the throat called tonsils. If you look in a conventional textbook, they say tonsils are there to protect you from a threat of invasion. Okay? 
Well, this is completely false. Uh, as a matter of fact, rather than walling off uh, the infection, tonsils are channels that open up to the outside that invite the infection in. Why? They're learning centers. They learn about the environment, and then they create an immune system to manage the environment that you live in, okay? This is why, think about it, infants will stick everything into their mouth that they can grab in their hands. They're, they're sampling the environment. Why? The process of the tonsils is a learning center for this. So I say, then what's wrong with the vaccine? I say, well, you stick it under my skin in a needle. I say, there are no sentries there. There's no learning mechanism there. What you've deposited is a bunch of, you know, gorillas into your, <laughs> into your system, gorilla fighters, and the system's looking around, where the hell did this come from? Because at every entry port into the body, there's a sentry system. If you inject something under the skin, you bypass the sentry system. You've now, you know, really just confused the immune system because it's like, where the hell did that come from? It wasn't, we didn't see it. Where is it? Where, how to deal with it? And more importantly, the immune system is not matured until about three years of age. I say, why is it relevant? When you start to see that kids under three are getting about 65 different vaccines in a system that's not designed for full operation, you could overflood that system that's not prepared and damage the system with these vaccines. So I'm not saying no to vaccines. I'm just saying oral vaccines are the natural process of biology. And that bypassing that because you think you got uh, a syringe that now I can just help the system is you are not helping the system when you put things under the skin that the body doesn't even know where the hell it came from because there's an intelligence. <laughs> the body is super intelligent, more than we are. That we, we talk down and say, oh, how can anything less than human be intelligent? Okay, so elephants and tigers and that. But as you get down to, to small things, a snail. Okay, how about a cell? You say, oh, how can a cell be intelligent? And I go, they created us. The human being is a community of 50 trillion cells that worked in harmony to manifest this. <laughs> you want to talk about intelligence? We're not as intelligent as they are. They created us. <laughs> so when you second, you try to second guess the cells because you think you can, you know, make them do it better. It's like, if you don't understand the system, you're interfering. And that's why, and, and I'm saying this not out of school or anything. I'm saying this as a fact because it's published in the Journal of the American Medical Association uh, a few years back. And just in the last couple of years in the British Medical Journal, same results. And that is medicine is listed as the third leading cause of death in the United States. That's a fact. And it was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. So I'm not saying, oh, I'm yelling at medicine. Medicine wrote that in their own damn journal. And what's the point? If anybody with intelligence should stop and say, the health profession is the third leading cause of death, maybe something is wrong. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I'm going to have to sign off with that, but uh, it's a lot to yeah, think about. Yeah. It's a lot to think that's, about. That's great, man. That's great. I'm glad you, I'm glad you touched on... I'm glad you touched on that specific uh, stat because that's one of my favorites when you know people are kind of stuck in that paradigm of like, God, I have to trust my doctor and trust the pharmaceuticals and everyone wants to over-vaccinate without any testing for safety if these are even safe to put into the body, under the skin or else or otherwise, you know? 
It's like, God, if you want to stay safe, I would recommend staying away from doctors and hospitals as much as humanly possible because they seem to be very detrimental to human life. Well, it basically is because they don't understand the mechanism and their effort to understand the mechanism has been paralyzed by the interest of the pharmaceutical company says, if you really understand the mechanism, then we lose the business. Right. Well, Bruce, man, you're blowing my mind. I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. I've got one final question for you that I ask every guest. Uh, you've yeah. taught me an insane amount of information today. My head is reeling. My soul is on fire. I'm so grateful. The audience, I'm sure, is having the same experience. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life or career that you might recommend we go check out to learn even more from? Uh, Albert Einstein was always there, number one. And just just listen, just reading quotes from Albert Einstein without reading his book, get a whole book of quotes from Albert Einstein. That summarizes the beauty of the science that he brought to us right away, okay? Um, that I, I would really start to, to get into um, the concept of that, that healing is, is all based on consciousness. There's so many books that open up about the way you think and that. This, this is really critical because healing is an inside job. Not You don't get it from outside. You either create it from the inside or you don't create it. That's, that's the idea. So this creation part becomes re- really, really critical as well. And it's interesting because I wasn't a spiritual person and uh, when I was doing medical research, I became a spiritual spiritual person after the cells revealed to me my identity was a broadcast. <laughs> uh, and then I wanted to say something that was very important about it. And it's, the idea is this. There's a spirituality and it's not religion. Religion is the business of spirit. Spirituality has no business to it. You need nobody to do anything for you. It's all in here. It's all in here. And that if people will understand this and start to understand the nature of spiritual education, enhancement, without religious dogma, (laughs) that's where it all goes to hell. But the idea of what? You are a creator. That is quantum physics. Uh, Any general reading book that can describe quantum physics will emphasize this. And, And it's not a choice to say, well, yeah, that's nice. I don't care about quantum physics. I'm going to believe in Newtonian physics. I say, that's not your choice. <laughs> quantum physics is the, the science that incorporates Newtonian physics. It's bigger and it has a much bigger understanding. And that's why we have to get out of the limitation of our developmental programming, expand our minds. Because when we expand our minds, we expand knowledge and knowledge is power. And that's the conclusion. Knowledge is power. We have been systematically disempowered, and now we're in a world situation. If we want to save the world, we as individuals must take that power back now. And so the new science is coming out that way, Luke. Awesome, man. Thank you, Bruce. And where can people find you, your website, your workshops? What what would you like people to know about you? BruceLipton.com. So simple. There's um, written materials. There's audio downloads, video downloads. All of the kind of stuff is freely available by just everything we talked about. Downloadable. BruceLipton.com. Straightforward. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Bruce. I can't wait to speak to you again. I have the greatest afternoon with you. So thank you very much, Luke. It's been really good for me as well. As always, I'd like to close the show with a huge round of applause for you, my fellow cosmonauts. Thank you so much for listening to the Lifestylist podcast. If you enjoyed the show, and I have a feeling you may have if you're still listening to my voice, please share this episode with a friend. That's really the best thing you can do to support this podcast. 
Another thing that will not only support the podcast, but will also support you, your friends, and your family is to visit lukestory.com forward slash store, where I've put together a group of really highly thought out and well curated links and discount codes for all of my favorite biohacking and health related products. So if you're not the person that wants to sit there and read the fine print on every supplement and every biohacking technology, uh, then I'm probably your guy. And it's also a great way to get yourself some discounts and um, save time of having to pre-vet everything yourself. Uh, It's also very supportive of the show because in some cases, not all, your pal Luke here gets a commission off some of the sales in the store. So it's kind of a triple win. You know, the brands win because they get a new customer. Uh, You win because you get the best of the best, at least up to my current knowledge at the time of posting the links on my store. And I win because I get to um, I get to eat <laughs> and pay their bills and pay for this damn podcast. So visit lukestory.com forward slash store. There you will find all of our sponsors, the, not the least of which being uh, Juve. You can go directly to Juve at juve.com forward slash Luke. Get yourself some red light therapy. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke. Enter the code Luke at checkout and the people over at Juve are going to send you a little gift. Then we've got beekeepersnaturals.com. Enter the code lifestylist there and save 15% off the best bee products in the world. Straight up. I interviewed their founder and CEO, Carly Stein, a while back. If you want to learn why bees are um, the biggest superfood little producers in the world and why they might save the planet, go back and listen to that episode. I'm sure you can find it in the feed. Uh, If not, you could always just Google Luke Story and Bees and it'll pop up. There's a video for it too. But seriously, go to beekeepersnaturals.com. The best royal jelly, propolis, honey, it's freaking out of control. And then if you want to save your eyes, save your brain and save your sleep, you want to get yourself some Blue Blocks glasses. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X. The code for 15% over at blueblocks.com is what? Lifestylist, you guessed it. I try to use the same code whenever possible. Sometimes it's Luke, sometimes it's Lifestylist. Uh, But in any case, um, I always do my best to make sure I can get you guys a decent discount on the products that support the show. And then next week, as I mentioned in the intro, in case you little stinkers um, uh, fast forwarded through that, I'm going to say it again next Tuesday with Mastin Kip number 201, where we talk about trauma and why trauma is really the root of all neuroses, all addictions. And the more work that I do on myself in terms of therapy, personal development, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, um, healing thyself, as I say, it all comes down to, and Bruce even talked about in this episode, those first seven years, man. And not just the first seven years. I mean, those are the ones that really stick and form your personality and turn you into a wacko later on. But just the trauma that we experience later in life. I know during my teen years and in my 20s and even in my 30s, there was a lot of self-imposed and self-induced trauma. And Mass and I talk about that in a very authentic, very intimate, very vulnerable way. And that is really a powerful episode next week. So please make sure you subscribe to the show share this episode and next week's episode with Mast and Kip with a friend. You'll be doing your part to support the show and to support humanity in general. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Luke Story. You can find out everything there is to know about me at lukestory.com. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net. 